overabundance of giving. They gave, they gave till they put themselves in even, even to join and explore why. What did Macedonia know that Corinth didn't? What did they get that made them so excited about sharing and so excited about generosity? Now, uh, in case, if you still don't, if you still wonder why we would preach a series of messages about the things that kindergarten teachers say to their kids and moms especially say to their little kids, uh, this little video that it's just, it's not a professionally done video. Somebody did it with their phone. So you got to be, it's not like what the, tech media team did for you a minute ago, you got to really be ready to watch. It's only 24 seconds long, and you might have already seen it. It was kind of all over Twitter and social media this week, but it's a scene. When I saw this, I I got to share this because this will, if anybody's wondering why grown-ups need to hear a message on sharing and, 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 and not hitting people when they hurt you, uh, <laughs> Uh, we need to watch this video because it's it's a graduation ceremony in a in a large church, and you're going to see. I, I got to set it up for you because you got to be watching for it. You're going to see a fight over saved seats. You know how I feel about saved seats, so you're going to see a fight with these adults over saved seats. So you, everybody ready? Get ready for the lights, action, roll them. Do you think adults need to learn about sharing and, 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 and forgiving and being patient, all of those things? See, we've, we've gone way too fast into the deep stuff. We've gone way too fast into wanting to understand when the rapture, the eschatology, and the kingdom of God. We just, we just way too fast back way up, and let's talk about simply having good manners, Right? 2 Corinthians 8, 1, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, and to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, he's talking to the Corinthians, just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. And here is my advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. 
Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality, as it is written, He who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. Now, when we're talking about sharing this morning, we're talking about sharing everything. Our time, our affection, our physical energy, our our creativity, our, our problem-solving ability, and of course, our material wealth, our prosperity, our money, our homes, our automobiles, everything. The point that people cannot have a relationship, or, or the point is so that people can have a relationship with us without that putrefying stench of our, our self-absorption, our... our uh, our uh, selfishness and our greed. 1 Corinthians 8.1, look at what that says. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, what, what did the Macedonians understand? Nobody was, nobody was even expecting them to be the ones to step up and give. I, I find that so often in, in church. I find it so often in uh, my in history of where there's needs that come up in families' lives and needs that come up in the church. So often, it's not that person. It's not that person who has the six-figure income. It's not the person who has the, you know, the vacation house and and all of that. But it's it's somebody who just is just barely getting by will come up with the most generous gift. That's for some reason I don't know why that seems to be common. What did the, the Corinthians understand, though? What was their understanding of God and what was their understanding of life that caused them to be so generous? First of all, I would say this. They understood that we should share everything because we've received everything. The reason we should share everything is because we've received everything. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We all know basic definition of grace. It's God's unmerited favor. We all know that grace means it's undeserved. That what we have is undeserved. Now, now sharing doesn't start, see, with guilt. Sharing doesn't start with you getting beat up and told you have to give or you're a sinner or you're a bad person. Sharing starts with an understanding of God's generosity to you. That God has been liberal with you. That God has shared with you. God's grace manifests in two different ways. It manifests in the physical realm, in the material realm, realm, and then it manifests itself in the spiritual realm. In chapter 9, 10, chapter, chapter 9 of 2 Corinthians, verse 10, Paul clearly lays out this case for material grace. He says there, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Supplies seed. What does that mean? Simply put, it means that everything you have, you got from God. Everything you have belongs to God anyway. Almost every advertisement that you see on television, here on the radio, in 
read on the internet. Almost every advertisement says, you've worked hard, you deserve everything you have. And that may be what you think. You may think today, I've worked hard, I deserve everything I have. I deserve my paycheck, I deserve my house, I deserve uh, my leisure activities, I deserve my toys, I deserve my vacations, I deserve my vacation place. You may look at that and you may think, that's right, I've earned it. But you've earned it by breathing free air. You breathe free air that God gave you and didn't charge you anything for it. You, you gave it with a mind and an aptitude for what you do for work that God gave you. You ever think of that? That what you make a living with, the, the mind, the aptitude. I'm looking at Scotty here on the front row shaking his head because he's thinking, yeah, if Pastor Phil had to make his living fixing cars, he would starve to death. My parents would have wasted their money to send me to mechanic school. I don't have the aptitude for it. I'll never forget Pastor Earl J. Rogers, who pastored our church there in McKinney for 32 years. And came in, He used to come and sit in my dad's restaurant. He would sit at the counter and eat, drink coffee, and talk. And I remember one time, he wasn't a guy to share a lot of critical thoughts toward people. I mean, he, that really wasn't his personality. He was a very gracious, extremely gracious man. And, uh, I, but I remember one day he was talking about Velma. Now, I knew Velma because my mother used to take me to Velma's house all the time. And we didn't have a television, and they did. So we'd go there and watch television. It was a sin to have one at our house. But it was fine to go watch it at Thelma's house. <laughs> so we go watch television at Thelma's house. And I remember him saying one day, Thelma thinks she can do hair, but she can't. And, and he said, no amount of training will ever make her a hairdresser. You, you, do you know anybody besides yourself who's like that, who, who really thinks they're good at something that they're not good at? And no matter how much training they get, do you ever think, whatever you do, whatever you do, even if it's just in your view, well, I just have a, I have a, I have a personality that's outgoing. So I, where I go to work, they want to put me out front because I have this personality. I just love welcoming people and making people feel comfortable. That's what I like to do. So wherever you go, they always want to put you out front. And, and some of you are just nerdy and geeky, and they want to put you in the back room doing something creative and keep you away from people, you know, because you just just don't have a gift. You ever think about the fact that that gift you have, that aptitude you have, that interest that you have is a gift from God. That was free. That thing that you make a living with. We, we all have something that comes easy that others struggle with. It, it's a free gift of grace that you've been born in America that you've been born in this time and place instead of being born in a slum in Calcutta. If you would have been born in a slum in Calcutta, you wouldn't live in the house that you live in. You wouldn't have the job that you have. You wouldn't have the opportunity that you have. I don't care how much faith you had. I don't care how hard you worked. It wouldn't happen. Or if you'd have been born 100 years ago or 200 years ago, 
or uh, what if you were, were what if you had been born in a place where people got their value by being able to go out and kill stuff and bring it back and eat it and cook it? You might not be at the top of the you may you may not be at the top of the food chain like you are now with your technical skills. They might not have much use for you. And you might be you might be doing something very menial now. All of us who make our living in front of computer screens could have been born in a time and place where sitting in front of a computer screen would have gotten you nowhere. Have you stopped to be grateful to God for all the free stuff that he has bestowed upon your life? Grateful and humble people share in a whole other level and in a whole different way than ungratefully proud people do. The basis of generosity is humility and grace. 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what do you have that God hasn't given you? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And everything you have is from God, Paul said. Why boast as though it were not a gift? Imagine this. You may have had this happen to you. You give your kid a $50 video game. And they're in there playing it. One day you walk in and you say to them, I, I'd like to play that. And they go, no. You gave it to me, it's mine. Or, don't you love it? Every parent loves it when they hear their kid say something like this. The kid has a Snickers bar. And they hear the kid go to somebody else. Hey, listen, would you like to have half of this? You think, I got a good kid, don't you? How does it feel to God when he gives you a house and he says to you, I want, well, well, let's, use, let's tell the illustration differently. What if I gave you a house? What if I you know, I, I'm going to give you a beautiful house in one of these nice neighborhoods around Milford or, or Menden. I'm going to give you one of these nice houses, you know, four or $500,000 house or even more. I'm going to give you this house for you to live in. Enjoy it. But, but six weeks a year, I want to have a room in that house that I can send my guest over to six weeks a year. That's about a tenth, right? And about 10% of your year, if you gave up a guest area of that house, I won't, won't bother you. We're just going to, for six weeks a year, I want to send guests to your house. Now, what kind of ingrate would you be to say, no, no, you can't be sending guests over to my house. Just give me the, give me the darn house. Take care of the guest the way you want to. It's your problem. Just give me the house. What kind of jerk would you be? Well, what kind of jerks are we when we get all the stuff from God? And we say, God, we get, all, we get these paychecks and we say, God, no, I'm not giving you a tenth. No way. It's mine. You gave it to me. It's mine. This house you gave, this car. No, I'm not going to pick up people and take them to church. You gave me this car, it's mine. 
No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to let students come and stay at my house during China camp for 18 days because you gave me the house. It's mine. And you just solve the problem some other way. God, don't you realize God gave us this stuff so we could make the world a place full of grace? Don't you realize the reason God gave us houses and cars and money and the reason God gave us leisure time is so we can spread the grace of God all over the world and we can make the world a magnanimous place of sharing and grace. But if you stop sharing, you cut off the provision of God to the world. You cut off the grace of God. God didn't say, well, tell those Jerusalem people they need to go go work hard. Tell them what's wrong with their faith. No, he said, you generously share with them. I'm going to give you grace to share with them. It's called giving living. I said it's called giving living. (laughs) Gratefulness is a game changer, though. Gratefulness is a game changer. Don't work on the giving first. Work on your, your gratefulness first. Work on your gratefulness for what you have. And that other, you know, like the Macedonians, it just came easy. Uh, Alistair Begg said this the other day. He said, if we give grudgingly our approaches, I have to. If we give dutifully our approaches, I need to. If we give thankfully our approaches, I want to. That's what I'm trying to get at today, is to make you and I become a person reformed by the Spirit in our lives. Letting God, like Jason talked about, becoming that teachable person who you will let God Train yourselves that you become a person of generosity. Now, there's the spiritual realm of grace, which unfortunately I haven't haven't saved enough time to give it what it deserves because it's really the most important. Really, the most important is not the, the house that God has given you, the car that God's given you, the paycheck that God has given you, the air that he's given you to breathe. The most important thing that God has given you is the salvation, the eternal salvation of your soul that even if you lose everything and you die tomorrow, you will be assured that eternity will be meaningful and purposeful and amazing because of his free gift of grace, of salvation. Verse 9 of chapter 8, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. That richness that he's bestowing on you there is not so much material as it is spiritual. I heard of a prominent businessman who had become rich making deals and climbing the socioeconomic ladder. He showed up to be water baptized in this beautiful, expensive, blue three-piece suit. When everyone else was dressed casually, everyone else had their shorts on, their jeans on, their t-shirts. He had this expensive suit uh, on to be baptized in. And they asked him, well, why did you do this? He said this. He said, this suit represents all the things I hold dear. And it represents the way I've built my life in the past. And I want to give it to God. I want to give that to God. I thought that was a great illustration of a man who understood eternal salvation. Let me tell you something. One second in eternity, and you'll realize how big the grace of God is. One second in eternity. And you'll realize because what Christ did did for us on the cross is so much more significant than any grace that brings us any earthly wealth and social standing when you see the joy. That's why it's hard to preach too long on it because it's beyond our imagination what eternity is going to be like. 
And think about this. People have spent billions of dollars at the feet of psychotherapists trying to get the peace of sins forgiven and the grace of security of eternal salvation. And you've gotten it for free. When when Christy was a little girl, uh, she, boy, she understood grace. Because she would do something and we would get on her about it. And she would say it just like this. I'm sorry and please forgive me. Let's move on. And how casually have I done that with God throughout my life? How casually? How I just do that. I can do that so casually. And I fully know before I say the words to God, I'm sorry, please forgive me. I know it's going to be fine. I know I don't have to worry. I know that, it, that I know that any residual shame that I feel is not God's reason or God's fault. But it's my wrong thinking that causes me to continue to feel shame over something I ask forgiveness for. But I tell you, even myself, I lose the immensity of the value of that. I lose the immensity of the mental health that brings me that the, that the stumblings and bumblings and sins I've committed, that I can simply by asking be forgiven. I want you to know that may be free, but it didn't come cheap. I said that may be free, but it didn't come cheap. It costs God's only son his life and more for you to have that. How can I, how can I be anything but generous with my life? How can I not share my gifts? How can I come and just even, even extend consumerism to my, to my Christianity? Even, even extend my consumerism to my Christianity and come to church complaining and whining and morning, you know, complaining if, that the pastor didn't preach good enough or he preached too long, or complaining that the music was this or the music was that or complaining that the temperature of the sanctuary was this or that or the other. How... What, how how do we get that way? How do we think like that when God has given us our, our material world and the free gift of eternal salvation? We should, be, we, should be, we should be the most grateful people on earth, right? Martin Luther said, a Christian is someone who says every day, Lord, you are my goodness and I am your punishment. <laughs> The most chilling statement that anyone has ever made is that Pharisee and that publican. You know, the Pharisee was, was that, well, they were both religious guys. It's not fair to say the Pharisee was religious, the publican wasn't religious, because they were both went down to pray. But then the, the publican was a tax collector. And the way, the way the system worked that day, the Roman government would take over these communities and these these regions, like they came and they took over the land of Israel. And uh, then they would, uh, they would appoint a, a tax collector who, who would find local citizens to work for him. And they would go around collecting taxes from the people. And they were allowed, they had to bring back a certain amount to take back to Rome, but they were not limited to what they would charge in taxes. They could Let's say that you owe twenty percent of your income. They could go ahead and charge you thirty and keep the ten percent for themselves. Because you, knowing human nature, you know how that went. 
And you know how that went. That's why they hated the tax collectors. These, these tax collectors, these publicans, were fellow Jewish citizens who collected, made their living, and a very good living, collecting taxes from other Jewish citizens. And so no one was more hated than them. And the Bible says these two went down to pray, and the Pharisee stood by himself, and says in Luke 18, 11, and prayed, I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. Ow! I'm not a sinner like everyone else, for I don't cheat, I don't sin, and I don't commit adultery. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. He pointed across the room. So Jesus said, even though the Pharisee was more moral than the tax collector, it was the tax collector who stood over there and said, beat his chest and said, I, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the tax collector, the Bible says, went home justified in the sight of God. So one understood grace and the other didn't. So we need to understand that we're, what we have received is not a result of our accomplishment. It's a free gift from God, both materially and spiritually. So we're to share everything because we've received everything. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've received everything. I've received everything. Another understanding the Macedonians had is we want to share everything because things have no meaning when we only consume them. Things have no meaning. The stuff that you have, the money, the toys, the leisure time, it has no meaning if you only consume it. It only has meaning when you share it. Alistair Begg said, our generosity can make us overseas missionaries without ever leaving home. Evangelists without ever, ever standing on a platform. Broadcasters without ever entering studios. And Bible teachers without ever writing a book. The way we achieve far greater significance than we can ever imagine is when we become givers and we become sharers in the work of God. We become sharers in other people's efforts and we're able to give. I'm, I'm excited tonight. I'm going to a district meeting tonight, tomorrow. And one of the burdens of my heart for many years has been our campuses. I feel we've really failed to really reach uh, American universities and campuses with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've really failed to go on our campuses and build community. We've got 126 universities and colleges in Boston alone, and I don't know how many in Worcester. And we've really failed. The leaders of the world have come through Boston and fill the, fill the palaces and, and the places of authority all over the world, and we've done very little. And our district superintendent has asked us to bring an offering. So I've already, I've already, I told Christina, uh, I, I'm going to take a thousand dollar check and to 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 help support Chi Alpha uh, all around the world and across the United States. Yeah. So I'm not going to take an offering this morning, but I'm going to give you an opportunity. Just think about that. Think about next Sunday whether you'd like to get involved in that. And if we go over a thousand, we'll send them some more money. But uh, it's, it's a very exciting thing. So God wants to see we can become campus missionaries, though we never even go to the campus because of the, the, the possibility of generosity. See, in the West, our significance is defined by our acquisition. We're so, it's funny, we're so impressed with the wealthy's wealth that we reward them with free stuff. Isn't that a strange thing? 
If a celebrity comes by, we wouldn't let them pay for dinner. We would pay for their dinner. <laughs> uh, we would give them gifts because we're so impressed with people have acquired things. And it's become, the Bible says some supposed gain is godliness. We've kind of supposed that they, they must be doing it right to have all that stuff. And so I want to bless them so maybe God will give me stuff like that. And so maybe uh, if they get what they want, maybe I can start getting what I want more. And we get it all messed up. We get it all weirded out by, by wealth. And there's nothing wrong with being well. Thank God for wealth. And I, I remember talking to a missionary one time that we had taken out to a, a, a restaurant. And uh, it wasn't, you know, it was, it was a pretty expensive restaurant. It was more expensive than in like an Applebee's or a Chili's. It was the next tier up. And I could tell that they were feeling very uncomfortable with how much we were spending on these meals. And I, I just told them, I said, listen, if there weren't people who eat, ate at restaurants like this, if there weren't people who drove nice cars and lived in nice homes, those are the same people who keep you on the mission field. Those same people that drive a, a nice car that you may feel is a little extravagant, that live in a house that you may feel is a little extravagant compared to the people that you minister to, what enables you to go back and minister to them is these people who make... Uh, six figures and, and in that arena. Those are the people who live these lifestyles who also have great generosity. So we don't, the Bible doesn't condemn us for having lifestyles that are wealthy. The Bible doesn't condemn us for material prosperity. There's, it's thank God for, for generous people. Thank, I mean, thank God for rich people. Thank God for wealthy people. Thank God. I would advise every one of you, make more money. And that way, when I come to you with a need, you have more money to give. It's funny, we pastors can, you know, we can put everybody down for, for being too materialistic, but we, when we want to take an offering, we sure hope they've got some money. <laughs> we, hope they've got, we hope they're thinking about making money. So uh, making money is, in fact, there's a whole other sermon on that. There's a whole other teaching on being diligent and being wise. And, 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 and some of the greatest men of God were, were, were wealthy. And some of the greatest men of, men of God in Scripture were people who had, who had enormous wealth. So, so this is not a problem. The, the Corinthians were wealthier than the Macedonians. And Paul did not say one critical word about their, their uh, status. Corinth was a very wealthy community. Corinth was more like our community here. Very, very uh, uh, many opportunities there to make money. Paul did not once say, you shouldn't make all that money. You should feel ashamed. In fact, he said, I, I don't want to stress you out. But make sure that God's grace is flowing through you and not just to you. Amen. 2 Corinthians 8, 13, our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. In uh, 130 AD, uh, or 20 or 30, I mean 130 AD, 20 or 30 years after the last apostle died, a Greek writer named Methides wrote a letter to Diognetus, Diognetus, D-I-O-G-N-E-T-U-S. Um, in response to the fact that Christianity was on the rise. The Roman culture was starting to disintegrate and Christianity was starting to grow after getting this really difficult start like we just talked about in Jerusalem. 
and, uh, and being this little band of disciples and this crucified Savior, and 100, only 120 people shows up to, showed up to the upper room. That was the beginning of the church. And who would have ever thought that the great Roman Empire would start to disintegrate and Christianity would be on the rise so much that by 300 AD, Christianity was the official religion and the emperor had declared that he was a Christian. It was a, it's, it's an amazing thing. But that didn't just happen in a vacuum. That didn't just happen because somebody prayed. That didn't just happen because someone believed. In these letters uh, to Diognetus, if I can say it correctly, in, the, in these epistles to Diognetus, he writes explaining why the church is prospering and growing. Here's what he said. He said, Christians are not, this is just one little piece of it. Christians are not differentiated from, from, uh, from other people by country, language, or custom. They live in both Greek and foreign cities wherever chance has put them. They follow local customs and clothing, food, and other aspects of life. But at the same time, they demonstrate to us the unusual form of their own citizenship. They live in their own native lands, but as aliens. Every foreign country is to them as their native country, and every native land is a foreign country. They marry and have children just like everybody else, but they do not kill unwanted babies. See, in those days, if you had a girl baby, you threw them in the river. And there was no consequences for it. I don't know what uh, pagan countries, anything like that would happen in. So they, they marry and have children. They offer a shared table, but not a shared bed. Talking about their generosity materially, but their sexual morality. They're passing their days on earth, but are citizens of heaven. They obey the appointed laws and go beyond the law in their own lives. They love everyone, but are persecuted by all. They are put to death and gain life. They are poor, but make many rich. They are dishonored, but gain glory through dishonor. Their names are blackened, and yet they are cleared. They are mocked and blessed in return. They are treated outrageously, but behave respectfully toward others. When they do good, they are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as being given new life. That's talking about a community of people who begin to live at a high level, who begin to live at a wise level, a biblical level, and a generous level. Notice those, that, that it's filled with generosity, Outward generosity toward others. The problem in our world today is not a lack of goods. Not a lack of, there's not a shortage of food in the world. There's a shortage of generosity. There's a problem with greed. But there are third world countries where instead of locally grown food being made available to the citizens at an affordable price, it's sold to the highest bidder and the money is used to buy weapons so they can fight their wars. Local farmers in many African countries are out of work because produce from developed countries is sold there at a cheaper price than they can sell it for, so they're out of work. That's not a problem of a lack of food. That's a problem of greed by developed countries. 
The vision of Bethany Community Church is that we break the bondage of consumerism and we rock this little world of ours with generosity. I said the vision of Bethany Community Church is that we break the bondage of consumerism and we rock this little world of ours with the generosity and the sharing of everything we have. I'm, I'm excited about the program, the, the student lunch program that we're starting June the 20th, I believe it's June 27th. And someone from our church, a, a lady in our church, and I won't call out the names yet, but I'll wait till we'll do that. Wait till we'll see how many volunteer. A lady in our church is going to give two, two days a week from 11 to 1.30 to be the site supervisor. We're Children in Melford can come there every day, Monday through Friday, and get a free lunch in our building. And in fact, uh, if some of uh, others of you want to volunteer, that we're needing some more volunteers, and go to, go to Connection Central or just call our office and we'll tell you how you can volunteer one, two, three days a week, four days a week, five days a week, whatever you want to do. If you can give a couple of hours in the middle of the day, we want to be a presence we want to be a generous presence in the world that we live in. We want to be known as the people of God who care, who share, who give, who are generous. We want to, know, we want to be known as the people for whom the grace of God flows through. Amen? The spirit of equality is not always sharing to the point of personal poverty. Let me hear this but it's being willing to forego legitimate want in order to provide for legitimate need. It's being willing to forego legitimate want, the wants that you have. See, you're probably not going to be generous, able to be generous without feeling a bit of a pinch yourself. You're probably going to give up, have to give up some time that you would rather be doing something else with. You're probably going to have to give up some money that you would actually rather spend it on somebody else. But because of the call of generosity, we're going to do it. Finally, we're compelled to share everything because it is the way. Oh, I wish I had more time with this, but I've got to just breeze right through it. Hear deeply and quickly, okay? We're compelled to share everything because it is the way to go deeper with God. And that is the ultimate prize. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. Have you noticed that when you love something, you pour money into it with joy and not resentment? Have you notice that? Have you notice that when you, you love maybe a, maybe a sport that you like to play or a place that you like to go or clothes that you like, you don't feel bad about, you feel good about spending money. You'll go brag. You'll put pictures on Facebook of what you bought with your money, and you feel so good about having spent all that money on that car. You feel so good about having spent all that money on this new golf club. You feel so good about it because you're pouring into something you love. You're pouring into something your heart is into. What happens when you start enjoying loving God? It's the same thing. Don't let it be lost on yourself that the first act of sin by a human was consumption, not compassion. She took, Eve took the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil 
and then she gave it to her husband. The sharing of the forbidden fruit wasn't a meeting of Adam's need, by the way. She wasn't sharing with Adam because she was concerned that he was hungry. It was a power-hungry grab for Eve, and he did his sins too, so we're not picking on the ladies. Now, because God didn't put a condition on the gift of dominion that he gave them, listen carefully, such as such as if you abuse it, you lose it. It, it, it. He doesn't take back the dominion of the planet. See, God didn't take back the dominion of the planet, but he left it in the hands of these human consumers. And the ultimate consumer is Satan, for he comes to steal, to kill, and to, to destroy. And his consuming rampage has caused him to be described as that one who steals, kills, and destroys. Jesus acknowledged Satan's co-dominion with humans when he actually called him the God of the world. That's the situation. And into this consumer chaos, he's got consumer Eve and consumer Adam and consumer devil running the show. And into this consumer chaos steps the ultimate giver who not only shared his life, his thoughts, his gifts, but everything so we could have life So the son of God who gave his only begotten son was so attracted to the Macedonians' radical heart for those with little that God showed up in their hearts in a special way and gave them more grace. Amen? God showed up in such a special way because of their giving. God showed up in their lives and they knew God more deeply than the Corinthians knew God because of their generosity. Let me say this. While it's true, that God will lead you to share. It's even more true that sharing will lead you to God. The greatest loss of selfishness and stinginess is that you will not have a rich and exciting relationship with God. You cannot, 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 and will not have an exciting and dynamic and awesome relationship with God if you are not a giver. You cannot. It will not work. It will not happen. You will not know the Lord in an experiential way unless you give. God is currently, listen to me, listen to me. God is currently residing in the many needs of the humans around you right now. So follow generosity into a personal experience with God. That's why the scripture says, and that's what he's telling us in Psalms 34, 18. God is close to the brokenhearted. So I, I want to be close to God. I want to get close to God. Well, you got to go where the needs are. You got to start pouring yourself into people's broken hearts. You got to start pouring yourself uh, into people's lack. And you're going to have so much of God that you're just going to be so full of God that you're going to start overflowing with God. And you're going to start overflowing with joy because you've learned the key. The key to greatness with God is sharing your life in generosity. Somebody say amen. Let's stand to our feet this morning, and I want you to get ready to move into response time at Bethany. And we got communion that we want to share with you, and we got prayer partners up here that want to share with you. And maybe you're that person this morning that is in need. You need someone to share with you. Come and ask them to pray for you. Maybe you're that person who God has been dealing with you about investing a part of your life. Maybe God's been calling you to do a ministry. Maybe God's calling you somewhere in our community and you just would like to confirm that with a prayer today. You might have a need that I haven't even mentioned, but you want, we're, we're here today because we do want to share ourselves with you. 
That's what we're all about. We want to share our hearts with you, our lives with you, our prayer, our faith. That's what these prayer partners are all about. They want to take a few minutes and share a piece of their life. And I'll guarantee if you share something with them that needs further help, they will follow up and they'll get in touch with us. We'll follow up on that need that you have. So let us, let us pray. When I'm done praying, let's move into response time. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for sharing with us to such a, with so much grace that we just, just think it would be irrational for us not to become generous people. I pray, God, that those who are already in living a life of generosity, that you would just help them like the Macedonians to step on the gas and be more generous. I pray for those who just quite haven't moved into a generous life, that you would just pour your grace into them this morning. Make them so aware of their blessings that it wouldn't be out of guilt or coercion or out of some pastor making them feel guilty, but it would just be out of an explosion of gratefulness that they would give in a magnanimous way today. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's move into response time. You have been listening to the Bethany Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us online at bccma.org. Thank you, and God bless.